0: When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous.
1: Now they give it to Green. Green stutter step. He's through. First down. Forty. Forty-five. Fifty. Forty-five. Forty. Run, William. Run. Twenty. Fifteen. Ten.
0: In the backfield, two receivers left, one right, Mayfield back to pass, looks going towards the end zone, and it's caught by Donovan Peoples-Jones! Touchdown! He
1: got it! He got it! The rookie from Michigan got it! With 11 seconds left to go! Popping once, now throwing long down the left side. Swatter has it. He's going in for a
0: touchdown.
1: Oh, the, right. what the game. <laughs> hey, ho, and what do you know? Welcome, everybody, to episode two of the Top Dogs. I can't believe we made it to episode two, Jack. I know. Uh, and people are still listening to us. I don't know if y'all are crazy or what. Actually, I want to give a shot to everybody that uh, listened to the first episode. Uh, I'm actually trying to pull it up right now as we speak. Uh, 35 plays for episode one. So thank you, guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for giving this crazy show a shot. Um, hope you guys are enjoying it so far. Hopefully we have fixed the... Uh, audio issues. We tested before the show and it looks like it should be good. I'm hoping, I'm hoping. So I've, I've messed with some things on the board that I have here and uh, hopefully Jack's coming through this time.
0: And and I'm not touching anything because I think what happened last week is I touched something on my end and that might be why there was audio issues. So hopefully I
1: fixed. Well, we apologized last week that you really couldn't hear Jack's voice. Now, apparently we heard that if you had on your earbuds, you were fine. In speakers, you weren't fine. So I don't get how that works. I mean, eh, it's a whole different uh, topic for another day. But uh, this episode, we're kind of uh, doing something a little bit more specific, um, You know, focusing on a little bit of the draft, a little bit of free agency, because no new real Browns news this week. It's all quiet on the front. OBJ hasn't demanded a trade. Thank God. And the media hasn't made a trade demand. Thank God. Um, Baker Mayfield is being quiet. I mean, other than saying those poor kids, you know, being pranked that he was traded to Pittsburgh, which by the way, whoever their parents are should be sent to jail for that. uh, At least for a day, at least for a day, you know, nothing beyond a day, just make them sit in their corner of their cell and make them realize they were doing a very, very bad thing. Um, but other than that, uh, we're going to, we called this episode living on the edge and, uh, yeah, it, it is what, uh, we intended it to mean. We're living on those edge rushers. So, um, let's get right into it. But first off, how was your week, Jack? It's been good, you know. It's just working, and uh, the Indians
0: started this week, so it's nice to have baseball back, uh, to oh, talk about, okay. even though they're 0 and 2 as of this recording. But uh, we'll, we'll see it's how the baseball. rest of the season shakes out. There's no need for overreacting, which you know, you'll get. Uh, everybody but I everybody mean, panic it, right everybody's panicking already it's only been two games but other than that life is good uh wrestlemania week is coming around the corner so that's going to be fun I and- think
1: we're doing a pod for that i we do have a, we we do have a knowledgeable wrestling guest maybe two for an after further view wrestlemania show i'm, I'm game um, if you are yeah i mean i got one already on standby i'm trying to get another um so it's weird and before we get into the edge thing We are doing this. We've been talking about it. Um, So first off, uh, Ryan Barkin, uh, BarkFu on Twitter. Uh, If you follow him, he's a diehard wrestling fan. Watches NXT, Raw, SmackDown. He and I interact all the time on Twitter. Uh, As long as we can make it work with his schedule, which it looks like we can, we'll get him on. Um, So I've done stuff with him in the past. Uh, He's awesome. Uh, The other isn't even a Clevelander. Um <laughs> he's actually from St. Louis. Uh, and I've known him now, geez, about 10 years. I used to do a an old wrestling podcast with him called Sunday Smack Talk. And uh I've asked him, he is yet to tell me if he can or not. Uh so uh Aaron, if you're listening to this, and it's not even a Aaron, <laughs> it's not even that kind of an Aaron. So A-R-R on. You need to get your butt on this podcast because, man, we got a lot of shit to talk about with that. I really want to talk about is AEW caught up with uh, WWE finally, Uh, which I think the answer is yes. Yes. Um, But anyways, in this show, uh, we're going to talk about the Edge Rushers. We're going to talk about a certain former Browns coach. I, I, I hate you rizzo and hammer i why hey, why they, why do you do this to you them? know
0: what and andy defended andy lytle our buddy defended them on twitter and i will honestly defend the media on this I one i
1: get it i get why they did it it gets ratings exactly I which get gets it. sponsorship I, revenue which gets money and I, mean, I, I get that right but for once in your lives you are winners we will get to that later. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna work myself into a shoot right now. I may later, and then you all voted, I I'm for the alternate Browns history. I, I don't know why you want the this pain. I've been sitting on this for five years, altering it over and over and over, up until 2018, where I just stopped because it was too painful for me. Apparently you want me to tell you what Ozzie and Bill would have looked like. I'm looking at it right now. I'm ready to cry. It's bad guys. You really wanted this pain. You couldn't have just picked. What if the Browns had traded number one in 1999? You couldn't have just picked that. You couldn't have picked the Ray farmer option. No, you had to pick this one. Well, you want to, at this time, this is your fault. This is all your fault. You did this to yourselves, okay? I- I'm just saying. And I showed Jack a little bit of it. Just a little bit. How painful is it? Oh, it's painful. But honestly, Alex, when you look at
0: it, looking at revisionist history when it comes to the Browns, anything would be painful at this point. Let's, let's oh, no. To be honest.
1: Oh, I haven't even this- told you. No, when we get into 1999, when you see Uh-oh. the talent we've assembled at this point... Like, Uh, I mean, I'm telling you, like, the only spoiler I will give you is the Browns win the Super Bowl when the Ravens do. They don't win it beforehand. So that's a given. But I'm going to tell you guys, it's ugly. Really, really ugly. So... (laughs) and you rely on guys who play for a certain school you hate. There's your other spoiler. Well, that would have never happened in revisionist history. No, it would have. It would have because it's Belichick. Belichick, (laughs) don't give a damn about your feelings. So anyways, we'll get to that later. Uh, But let's talk about the Browns uh, sitting there at number 26. Right now, you know, we look at free agency. They've addressed, you know, the slot corner. They've addressed safety and you know, they're not going to address linebacker in the way that I think some fans would hope, but that's not their philosophy. It looks like, and this is just me. And I don't know where you stand on it. I know we need an outside corner. I, there's no doubt about it. It just seems to me that as much as I want to bet everything on tack McKinley, because I, I know he's a great talent and other guys that we have here, Curtis Weaver, um, Porter Porter I was just about to say that, and others. I still think the Browns don't have that reliable option opposite uh, Miles Garrett. So I I asked Jack, you know, I know, Jack, you're not the biggest draft guy. I'm the draft nut of the two of us. Um, Is there anything that you think the Browns need to specifically do with the edge position? coming up in this draft, which is now less than a month away? Well,
0: depending on what happens with and Clowney, or unless they go out and get an Alden Smith, which we talked about on the last episode, yep. they need to come away with who they think could be the edge to opposite Miles Garrett coming out of the draft, as it stands right now. We don't know what's going to happen over the next few weeks in free agency, but... I'm looking at pick 26 or even pick 59. They need to come away with an edge with one of those first couple picks yeah. because as talented as Tech McKinley is, as much as people like Porter Gustin, the unknown with Curtis Weaver, I mean, that's right there. Those are all wild cards. There isn't a surefire thing. The Browns need a yeah. surefire thing opposite Miles Garrett. They don't have it yet. I do trust this coaching staff. I like what Chris Kiffin did last year with Porter Gustin. I'm interested to see what he'll do with Weaver and McKinley because I think there's untapped potential, especially with Tech McKinley. But they need to look at these edge guys in the draft, and they need to find out who is the best guy, who has the most upside, and who is going to fit well in what the Browns are going to do specifically in terms of the defensive line and that edge group.
1: Yeah, I I mean – Again, like I said, I like the guys they have. There's just not one there. And you bring up Jadavion Clowney, and we're going to get to that in a minute. Um, Alden Smith, I know the OBR has sat in their Rumor Central. I'm sorry if I'm spoiling their content, but it's just one post. Uh, but I read it. I signed up. And I'll just say this. I'll reveal it and say this. Sign up for the OBR and you do get Paramount Plus. So if you're a Nickelodeon I'm just going to say this, if you're a Nickelodeon fan like me, like 90s Nickelodeon. So this is this is my way of seeing the OBR. I'm sorry I'm promoting and I'm giving you a good reason to do this. Uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple, Nick Arcade, Guts are now on Paramount Plus. All the episodes. Now imagine if you get all that Browns insider knowledge from the OBR plus Paramount Plus. I don't need to sell you any further. Go get it. So you can read the rest of their rumor central. The only thing I will say about Alden Smith, because it pertains to the conversation is they did say that the Browns are not interested in Alden Smith. I think that's a mistake, but they are saying the character issues are there and I get it. I get it. Do I trust that he's back to having his head on straight? Yes. Um, but the Browns are very strict on that. And it's one of the things I like about this front office. They are very cautious of guys who are in their right mind. Uh, I mean, we look at John Dorsey in the past, um, who was the defensive end from Miami. They drafted Chad couple- Thomas, Chad Thomas, a third round pick. And I didn't even bring this up about Dorsey. You spent a third round pick on a guy who wants to be a DJ more than he wants to be a football player. I mean, again, I'm not a, I, I'm totally a Dorsey hater, but I feel I'm justified here. You're wasting picks. The Browns nowadays with Andrew barrier, like either you have the mental game to do this or you don't, and if you don't get out, we ain't drafting Justin Gilberts. We ain't drafting Johnny man, Manziel's anymore. We ain't drafting Chad Thomas's anymore. You know, if we make the air on it, we're going to learn on it. But if it's so bleeping obvious, we're not going to make that air. So in terms of that, I guess they're going like, Hey, Alden Smith, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. You know, I look like an idiot here. So that's kind of their MO. I can respect that. I can totally respect that. Do I think it's a mistake? Yes, I honestly do. Cause I think he's got his head on straight. could mean Melvin Ingram could be a possibility still. I mean, it's not out of the question. I, and I really thought we'd be talking about the Jadavion Clowney signing, which is why like all week I've been preparing this edge conversation. Like, you know, we weren't going to talk about it for 26. We were going to talk about like, who do you, when do you take one? When do you take one now? That's what I thought the better conversation would be after you get Clowney because You're still going to add depth, and I thought we'd be talking about, you know, when do you take one, and do you take defensive tackle or corner at 26? Yes, I think Christian Barmore is very much in the conversation, as he should be. He's really freaking good, guys. It won't be a sexy pick, but it's a good pick. Very good pick. Um, I the more tape I watch on Barmore, I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> put him on this line. Have fun, guys. Um, but let's get into a couple names. We're gonna start with the obvious top name on the board, uh, Kawiti Pae, uh, out of Michigan. I mean, his stats show he has been a consistent performer at Michigan. Is he a standout? No. Except last year. Last year he was all over the place. He got into the backfield. He has been a constant disruptor, but he hasn't been special. Now, his athletic ability is right there with uh, Rousseau and those guys. It's not Jason Owe or Jalen Phillips level where those guys are athletic freaks of nature, except for Rousseau's length, which Pae doesn't have. But Pae is a effective he's stronger he's more powerful than these guys which i actually read an article and i forgot where it was i actually read it this afternoon and i i jared muller posted it and it was about what's the browns type to play opposite miles garrett and it talked about bull rushers guys that are powerful guys that have explosiveness but the ability to do that and wreak havoc havoc in the backfield and be effective against the run which I'm going to tell you guys, and Jack, I'm going to see if you agree with me on it. Uh, guys that may not be Brown's targets at 26. Cause I'm, I- I've been working on 3.0. It's been tough at 26. And I'm down to like three or four guys that I think it could be, but I'm still not sure who it is. Uh Pie if he's there at 26, that's the pick. That's the pick. He fits. He checks every box off that they want powerful speed disruptor good against the run he's done it all he is what they want you're not getting him at 26 it's over i mean unless if and we'll get to Oa in a second with what he did at his pro day could he jump he might it takes the right team but let's be real I think a lot of teams are going to be skeptical of like, okay, you ran a four, three, eight, uh, 40 and you had zero sacks. And I know there's an argument for that. Like, uh, Danelle Hunter, um, had one and a half sacks at LSU. So, I mean, maybe there's a correlation there. I don't know if and let's get to and This will be a segue into OA. Do you think stats matter when it comes to, two defensive ends jack like sacks if we rely just on that do you think it matters no i mean i did a few years ago but you know with the
0: uh pff coming along more like if you look at just traditional stats people are going to say oh well Oa oh had zero sacks he's not worthy but if you look at the metrics if you take a deep dive into a players uh what he's done on the field then you say well he didn't have any sacks but he was very disruptive that's why like we bring back Clowney into the mix honey mm-hmm. hasn't had a lot of sacks during his career but if you go inside you look at pressures you look at qb hits you see that dude's a game changer on defense yep. Oway could be the same guy you you mentioned uh you you mentioned hunter coming out of lsu and only had one and a half sacks look what he's done for minnesota that's why a lot of browns fans when they seen that he was demanding a trade a couple of weeks ago they were saying hey Stefanski's from from Minnesota. There's a connection there. See what it would take. He does want a new contract, but, but yeah, at the end of the day, sacks don't matter. You look more at pressures, look at hurries, look at hits Mm -hmm. and just look and see
1: what I look for.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you're seeing this guy and he looks disruptive, like there Was a couple games last year. Porter Gustin. I don't think Porter Gustin had any sacks last year, but you could see that dude created pressure. That dude got after the quarterback. Mm-hmm. He didn't he didn't complete it all with a sack, but you could see, hey, there is some upside here. You can see why the Browns like him. Yeah, I just think people that look strictly at sacks are quote unquote lazy and aren't looking at the full aspect of a player's game.
1: Exactly. And let's bring up a, a, a game that really highlights that. And that's the Eagles game, where the Browns had a ton of sacks that game because the Eagles O line was a turnstile. But the Sioni Taki Taki touchdown, that is not a play Sioni Taki Taki made to get that interception. That was a hurried pass. When you have guys getting to your quarterback, it gets in the quarterback's head. It's like, what is my mental clock? We saw it with Baker Mayfield in 2019 when he had a turnstile O-line. Baker didn't know what his internal clock was. So he sped it up and he rushed plays. Sometimes a sack doesn't matter because at the end of the day, you're getting a pick or that pass that should be a first down falls five yards short because the QB has to rush his footwork to make the throw, to get the ball out of there. So when it comes to a guy like Jason Owe, who, you know, we'll go to him real quick. Yeah. He want a he ran a four three eight forty. Yes. I'm totally in love with that because I've never seen that before. I'm like, wait, he was disruptive, always in the backfield. He was double teamed because there is no Michael Parsons. So it explains his zero sacks. There are some instances where I'm wondering like, okay, is there a correlation here? Does something make sense to me to why this happened? I think there is a reason why he had zero sacks. Now, here's where I think now I've now I'm starting to get myself back down to earth. Does he fit what the Browns are looking for? No. So do you owe a haters to the Browns? I love Jason Oway in the right system. I think he can be a stud pass rusher. Maybe not, you know, 15 sack. I've been eight to nine sacks a year guy and constantly in the QB's phase. The problem is he has no moves, it's all athletic ability. And the more and more I sat down, and I thought about it. I was like, yeah, you have a good group, but you need a starter. And I, I will say, we're going to get to a last name where I'm throwing it out there, and it's not even for 26. And it's a name that I think a lot of Browns fans need to start looking at. It ain't sexy, but it is the right pick. But uh, Jason Owe, athletic is all get out. Great. Does he have any moves? No, you don't take him. He ain't the guy. And. I'll say I love him as a prospect, but I don't love him for the Browns anymore. I can accept that. That's a fair about eval- in terms of an evaluation, Jack, is it fair for me to love a prospect but say, eh, I don't think he's a fit here?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm reading the draft networks, like scouting report on him, and they're saying and I know people will talk about this four three three four. They say he's better fit as a 3-4 outside no. linebacker, so he's not putting I- his hand in the dirt. Yeah. When we're looking at guys to play on the defensive line, we want guys to play their hand in the dirt just because that's the base scheme. We have four defensive linemen up front. So you can love a prospect, but at the same time say, he's just not a good fit for the Browns. And that's okay. You could yeah. still love the player, but you just would rather, see, you would rather see him go somewhere where he can flourish instead of coming to the Browns where he just doesn't fit what we're running. Exactly.
1: And it leads me to the next guy where I don't know if he's the fit. If this is one of the few in the mock that I am torn, is he really on the board or not? And it's Jalen Phillips out of Miami. Uber athletic, so talented. And he had a great breakout year in Miami. He has concussion history. He's got, I don't know how long he's going to last. It's almost like a Jason sweat from uh, the Eagles a couple of years ago, where he had that major knee problem. And everybody was saying, how long is he going to last? Will he last in this league? And he's been fine. He hasn't been a standout player, like a lot of people said it likely should be. And I think it's because of his injuries. But my question is, I'm going to ask you, Jack, do you think the concussions should play a role in the Browns decision for a guy like Jalen Phillips? And more importantly, do you think that's something Andrew Barry he's going to consider when selecting him potentially. Oh, I think so. I think
0: they take data from everywhere. And I feel like injury history would be one of the big data things that they'll, they'll look at. And when you look at him, it's not just concussions. He's had ankle issues. He's had wrist issues at Miami. So it's limited his time on the field and, when oh, he was also at UCLA. So that goes into a potentially too, just because how many games has he played Um And that they look at that, too. I think that's a big data point as well. So when you look at injuries, especially concussions, just because concussions have cut short some talented guys' careers, I'm thinking of a linebacker from the 49ers a couple years ago that retired early. I think he was at Wisconsin. Bowman? No, not Bowman. He was really young. He came out of Wisconsin.
1: Um, Oh, uh I thought he only, he only played like a season or two, but. Oh, was, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, you know I know what I'm talking blanking. about. I'm blanking. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah,
0: but but think Jordan Cameron. Look how talented he, he was as a tight end. Concussions cut his career short. Yep. You're seeing guys not play as long just because concussions are taken more seriously. And medical doctors, team doctors are all taking this into account. So I feel like the Browns might like Jalen Phillips, but they might take him off the board with a medical red flag, just because the injury history does not look good for him right now.
1: Yep. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I've been torn in mock 3.0, which I'll be honest, it's 99.9% done. It's going to be released this week. And I've tried to be more accurate this time of what I think is going to happen with some craziness to it. There is a little bit of craziness. There's always craziness. Um, Well, I mean, I'm just going to say this. Um, I went crazy at number three. No. Yeah, I did. (laughs) I'm I'm buying it. I'm buying it. I don't know why I'm buying it, but I am. Don't buy it. I am. Don't buy what Chris says. It makes
0: sense. Never listen to Chris Sims. I've learned that. not even
1: Chris Sims. He fits the scheme to a T. Uh, spoiler. Listen, I know. Number three. Boom. No, here's how I justified it. He wasn't going to be there at 12. He never would have, he never would have made it. That baffles me. He, he would have been, he would have been gone at eight. Oh my God. He would have been gone at eight. And I just, the more and more I thought about, I was like, that's right. He would be, it would be like, and this is not what the mock is. So, I'm not spoiling anything except for the first three Lawrence Wilson. And I thought, okay, well, let's say hypothetically speaking, you know, the Panthers trade up. Okay. Fields, uh, Lance, uh, and I just kept going down the list. I was like, there is no guarantee he makes it to 12 because Bill Belichick. I was like, once Detroit went on the clock, everything's in play. If you're sold on him go get him. And they were they were at Alabama. They weren't at Ohio State. I'm just saying. Yeah, but why I, were they not at Ohio State? Maybe they know, maybe they've seen enough of fields to know what he's going to be. Maybe, maybe, but there's something about the way he fits that system so perfectly with Ayuk and Samuel filling that uh, um, Smith and waddle rolls, And then you throw in George Kittle with Mac Jones's processing ability and the ability to throw to all three levels. The more and more I read, it, I was like, I don't want to do it. I know I'm going to get the Ohio state fans saying, You're a Justin Fields book. I hear. No, I'm not. I-, I was prepared to do it. And I just talked myself into it. I was like, you want to bring on the, hey, yeah, for, You'll have to read my explanation for it, uh, but there's your only spoiler of it.
0: So answer um, me this, answer me this real quick before we get back to the edge. Yeah, is was Jones a product of is he is he talented or was he a product of the supporting cast at Alabama?
1: based on what you watched. I, I, I still say it's a product of the, of the talent. You could throw almost any QB in that situation with a heartbeat and the only way they could have failed, is if they just flat out sucked. Yeah. You all you had to be was an average QB to be that good. Now to put up the numbers he put up, you have to be above average. Yeah. Is he an above average QB? Yes. Did I say he's good? No. Did I say he's great? No. Did I say he's elite? No. I said he's an above average quarterback. And yet I think San Francisco is dumb enough to do this.
0: They're putting their necks on the line.
1: They are. I mean, it's what year four of Shanahan Lynch. I mean, it's, I'm just saying the quarterbacks that he's had, I wanted to go fields. I yeah. really, really did just so I could shut people up, but I talked myself into it. I, it, it just Mac Jones and that offense. If he's able to manage it the way he did at Bama, you could imagine how Shan going like, well, I mean, if he puts up those numbers at Bama by processing the way he does with our weapons, what's he going to do? And we have a good running game to begin with and a good O-line. Like, we can just plug and play this kid and go back to the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, so, see, I, I, I'm just not buying the smoke. I think it's going to be fields, and I wouldn't even just be shocked
1: if it's Trey Lance. Just honestly, because, like... Originally, it was Lance. It was Lance. And then I talked myself out of it going, like... It's too much of a project. They're going to want to win now, unless if you're going to roll with Jimmy G to start, which that could change in 4.0. That three pick is so in the air right now, which is why I think Mac Jones is seriously in play. The fact that it's so obvious what one and two are. The fact that number three is not clear. The fact that we legitimately have to have this debate. Literally tells me it's in play. I just hope we're in Cleveland Thursday night for day one. I'm doing because- everything in my power oh, and yeah. why haven't you released these tickets? I'm going to be double vaxxed by then. I will be good to go wearing my clown Goodell shirt underneath my Baker Jersey. So when you put the camera on me, I'll flip the, I'll pull the Jersey up, show the clown Goodell and then pull it back down and go like, got him. <laughs> so there you go. Um, Anyways. Uh, moving back on to the edge, because we're supposed to be living on the edge, not the quarterbacks. Um, his teammate at Miami, Greg Rousseau, long, long athletic dude, though he didn't test well, which concerns me. And mm-hmm. I think, again, in, this is you being more in tune with, you know, Andrew Barry and how he's thinking. I got to think with him not testing well, he just tested himself out of the Browns pick. At least I think he has. He fits all the traits that they look for. Long, kind of powerful, not overly powerful. I'd like him to be a little bit stronger. And another reason why I don't like him. I'm very worried that because of him having the traits, The Browns are going to take him. And I think he's a bust. This guy was a top 10 pick. He was a top 10 player. If I was redoing my top 10 board, he wouldn't even be in the top 30 right now. I'd argue he wouldn't be in the top 50. He's fallen that far off. He looks slow. He's just a long defensive end. That's it. I mean, do you think with the way he tested, he's out of the picture 26, or do you think because of his length and the projectability, the Browns might still consider him? I I think the only thing with him
0: is that there's not enough of a sample size to really determine. Yep. And I feel like that will play into the Browns factor because they love data. I mean, he had a great year in 2019, but then he didn't play this past season. You also got to take into account he has a broken ankle, so Ew. you're ba- you're basing it on one year. You think back to 2017, they were considering Mitch Trubisky with the with the number one pick in the draft.
1: We will talk about this.
0: <laughs> so they didn't do it, and I had to think the small sample size of Trubisky's college career played a heavy role into that. I would I think. Had- I had
1: Trubisky figured out after that bowl game. I'm <laughs> I don't want to talk about that because I love Mitch and I still do. His, but his, his hips were too wide, man. Yeah, like I, I kept
0: yelling, those hips look horrible, man. I get it. But I think just because of the small sample size, but that sample size is dominant.
1: Yeah.
0: The numbers you look at, I think it's at math bomb on Twitter. He puts up the relative athletic score of like every player. It was a 7.7. 7 you look back to 2017 or 2016 and 2017, we drafted Agba who was like a 9.4 and Miles Garrett, who was almost a perfect 10. I would think that plays a factor into it. If he falls to 26, I think he's in the cards, but I think they would go another
1: option. They would go. another yeah, route. I, I I, have to think they'd rather just trade down, collect the assets, see if he falls. Yeah. Um, I just am not intrigued by him. And I know we have some Miami fans that listen. And even
0: say, as an edge, too, honestly.
1: Even as an edge, I think he's more defensive tackle. Well, we need that. <laughs> I think Barmore, Barmore. Yeah. I don't you want to take a guy the guy that's played unders- the position. I guess. I don't it. want an undersized defensive tackle True. in this division. True. We on, already had Larry Ogan Joby.
0: We just let him go down I-71, so, yeah, whatever, know, I 71 or whatever. At that point, I'll take
1: Barmore all day long right barmore is very athletic for his size i mean he's not uber athletic but i'll take him he's fine i mean i'll live with it ain't gonna be sexy but i'll be cheering i'll be cheering that pick i'll be walks across the stage you know be pretty awesome but you know anyways um so yeah we we've talked about rousseau um and now we get to probably uh, uh shout out to Stephen Thomas this is probably one of his favorites. Uh, Joe Tryon out of Washington. Listen to uh, uh, Andy's podcast uh, with uh, Steven on there and I know how much he praises Joe Tryon. Athletic, explosive. really explosive. He checks almost all of the boxes. I almost want to say he's the guy right now. I almost want to say if there is a guy, he defends the run. He has good power. He is explosive. He checks every box that, according to the Jared Muller article, says the Browns look for. I'm just going to say this out of these five. And yes, I have not brought up Aziz Ojalari. um, And that's because he's a linebacker. He does not fit this scheme. I finally eliminated him from the group. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I've eliminated Paillet. I've eliminated Rousseau. I've eliminated Owe. And I'm on the verge of eliminating Rousseau, but I can't do it because the physical stature is there. If you're really asking me, who the guy is at 26. I do think it's Joe Tryon. I, I, I just, I'm not saying I'm in love with the guy like Steven is, and I trust Steven as much as anyone. I know he does his homework. So, Steven, maybe we should invite Steven on, and I hope he's listening. Steven, if you're listening, you want to what? We'll, we'll even DM you. We definitely want you on post draft. We definitely, definitely do. Um, I will. Personally DM him. Uh, But I think Joe Tryon is the guy. He checks everything off. And ever since I listened to him, I started doing more digging. And the more and more I watch, the more and more I'm sold. Not like he's going to be a superstar, but he fits what the Browns need. And this isn't even the guy I was teasing as the nobody name that no one's talking about. I'm just saying, I think it's Joe Tryon. Jack, what do you think? I could see it. Here's
0: another thing, though. He didn't play last year. So does, that, does that play into Barry? Does Barry and D Podesta and company say, we only see one, se- one season of solid productivity he did play 23 games in college, so that helps a little bit. Yeah, but it,
1: well, Rousseau only played one full season, so Tryon's already beat him in games. Right. I'll, yeah. So I'll give you that. that's that's a big thing. Um, I think, I think there is a threshold. I think you have to play more than one season. Very true. I think you have to prove that either A, there is progression, or B, there is just there's a regression and there's something wrong that they've missed. I think they don't want to go on one year wonders, which again, I know a lot of people will say when they see me talk about Zach Wilson, I know that's my role in quarterbacks, but the progression is so big from one year to the other, like a Joe Burrow that you can't help, but say he's that damn good. It's just one of those things. I think Joe Tryon has been a solid performer, had a good year his last year And I think he just checks all the, all the boxes off for the Browns. I mean, he just seems like he's the guy 26, but um, the name I'm going to bring up, because again, I'm still not sold. It's going to be defensive end at 26. There is another name that athletically does not flash out, but he checks all the boxes. The Browns look for. Carlos Basham Jr. out of Wake Forest. He has the size. He's not overly athletic. Think Jabal Sheard. Productive in the pass rush and the running game. Has enough athleticism to beat you off. But at the same time, he can bull rush you, which is what the Browns want. And that is... I'm just going to say, this this is going to be my bold prediction. I think he is legitimately the guy the Browns want. He's the guy they want in terms of value and prioritizing picks with other needs earlier. Because Basham, you could probably get at that 66 pick, I think it is, um, around that pick that the Browns have in the third round, I think it is, or whatever. They have like, what, 50-something and 60? They have
0: they have 59, 86, and 91. Oh 86. oh, 86. So they'd probably take them at 59, you'd think?
1: Yeah, they could take them at 59. Yeah. I wasn't, oh, yeah, I was seeing one of my uh, mock drafts that I, <laughs> I did a fun one in. But, yeah, it, going back to that, you could do a trade down. I still think that's very much in play. And the Browns can look very pretty in terms of just – Maybe they get an outside corner. I'm just going to spitball Greg Newsome walk away with him. Round one, Carlos Basham round two. Elijah Moore round three and uh, a safety as well. You walk away with those three. I think the Browns are going to be very happy. And I still think Basham could slide in the third round because he's not overly athletic. He doesn't have that profile. So for the Browns, I think Basham and Tryon are the two guys that I'm keeping my eye on as their guys. I don't know why they just, again, that Jared Muller article, uh, I will try to find it and retweet it. um, was very telling and it opened my eyes to what the Browns are looking for because every single player has a style. That's exactly the same. And these guys fit it. The others don't. So, But I think the big question here I have to ask you, Jack, is with the presence of Jadavion Clowney, and apparently I've heard a rumor saying the Browns would like to get this done ASAP, that I was told by somebody that they wanted to get it done by this weekend and basically said, if you don't sign, you don't sign. We're moving on. Let's say hypothetically that rumor is false. I I took it with a grain of salt. I'm just saying it because someone told it to me. Do I believe it? No, I think the Browns are going to keep trying up until the draft, basically saying, Hey, we're being persistent, but we're staying at our price. The offer's there if you want it. But once the draft hits, you're kind of screwed. You're going to have to wait and see what happens. Because if we get a guy at 26, well, sorry, the offer is off the table. And that's the way it is. So, if the Browns are let's not even that way. Do you think Jadavion Clowney is a significant upgrade over these guys, except Carlos Basham, because Basham's a third rounder and he definitely is an upgrade over him. Do you think Clowney is enough of an upgrade over these guys to prioritize his signing, so you don't have to worry about drafting an edge guy and filling your other needs?
0: Yeah, I think so. Because I mean, I think a lot of these guys, they can be something down the road. You get clowny here, you're going to get instant impact, barring he stays healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you you mentioned all these guys, you mentioned what, what they're good at right now, what they could be. And that's, you don't need what they could be. We need we kind of need somebody now to come in and make an impact. Yeah. Could they opposite miles Garrett? Absolutely. Because miles Garrett's going to get doubled, even triple teamed. It's going to open holes for potentially one of these rookies, but I would think now prioritize trying to get clowny done before the draft. And then you can walk into the draft and basically your only need would be outside corner. And they still might even fill that hole by the draft too. But
1: he need defensive tackle too. I still think far more seriously in play.
0: Yeah, I mean, he could be in play at 26. I feel a little better than the at the defensive tackle spot than you do, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: he's definitely in play. But it would be nice to walk into the draft and then just be like, you get to 26 and then you just take best player available. And then you yeah. just start taking the best player on the board. And then you worry about what their role is going to be in 2021. But specifically, you're probably looking, this guy is going to be more of an impact player in 2022, 2023 and beyond. Yeah. So that would be a better way. So I would go, I would try to get Clowney done and then still keep the, you could go in, you could sign Clowney. And then at 26 if one of these guys are on the board and he's one of your highest or the highest player on the board, still take them. Because yeah. I mean, Gustin and Weaver, they're not for sure. They're things. more proven. Yeah. And then tack, I mean, tax the tack is essentially a lottery ticket signing. I think. Uh, yeah a lot of people thought he would sign more than what the Browns signed him to. So, I mean, if he turns out to be something great, we get a comp pick next year and, or if Clowney leaves, you sign him long-term and tag McKinley's your edge too, or however you, the Browns see fit.
1: Yeah. So that that's going to do for talking about the edge guys. Um, I didn't want to go too long on that. And I didn't want to bore people with draft talk, but uh, I think uh, maybe next week we can talk a little bit about, The corners, Uh, I I really want to focus on the team needs leading up to the draft, kind of break that down, what's available, uh, what players are on the board, what directions can they go, not just in round one, but beyond round one. Um, That's kind of where I want to be the next couple weeks, and that's probably what you guys are going to hear. I think we need to do an episode on the wide receivers. I, I think we really need to do that. And I know uh, probably my good friend LaShawn Brown is going like, yes, please do it. And I know you're listening, LaShawn. You're like, do it, Alex. Do it. Give me all the violence on Twitter. <laughs> yes, uh, you can all blame LaShawn and he will choose violence on all of you. Um, and I am all here for that. So <laughs> we need to get LaShawn on the show just for the fun of it. Absolutely. Just for the fun of it. Anyways. Moving on, god damn it, he won't go away. One in 31 doesn't matter. I mean, you literally have a day in your honor here in Cleveland. J- January 31st is your day, and no, you won't go away. Hugh Jackson, yes, Hugh, you Hugh gotta believe this. He was on 850 why do you go on that station? Not Ken. Carmen is beyond me. It shows again, what kind of dumb decision-making Hugh Jackson has because he doesn't even go on the better show to do this. No, he picks the B show, the really big show. uh, And he talks about how the Browns screwed him and lied. He, they all lied, and they wanted Mitch Trubisky, and he basically had to threaten to quit it, to quit the job, if they took Trubisky. And oh my God, okay, first and foremost, Hugh, you are full of crap on 2017 because I by my sources that Miles Garrett was made the pick not a day before, a week before, at least. In fact, I could say potentially it was as much as three weeks before.
0: Was that the Mike Silver trade you sent me earlier? Or yes. tweet you sent me? Okay, because yes. I'm blocked by Mike Silver, and I feel like 75% of Browns fans are. So, so,
1: here's the story I have. So, I will not reveal my source. Well, he doesn't work there anymore, so, yeah, he's fine. He, he's doing bigger and better things now. <laughs> I texted him the other week. He's like, yeah, I'm doing this. I was like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Look at you, man. Look at you. So, um, oh, Sorry about that, guys. Uh, apparently, that was, your, that was your source calling. Yeah, that was my source calling. So um, apparently, so we can't hear Jack for a second. Um, it, now we can hear Jack. So yay. I'm not adding that out. <laughs> I'm not adding that out, folks. Um, if you hear that, F it. That was Schefter care.
0: calling. He had breaking news. It was. It actually no.
1: was Schefter. It actually was. Uh Multiple sources can confirm that Alex is telling the truth on this story. I'm Adam Schefter, ESPN. Wow, thank you, Adam, for the call. Thank you so much for the call. I, You know, it would have been more funny if it had been President Trump, uh, former President Trump calling, uh, because it just would have been funny. But, you know, we're not going to bring that. Crap on here. It would be even better if Bernie had called. I thought Bernie Sanders was gonna call. I I didn't recognize the number, clearly was not from Ohio, so it could have been Bernie. It could have been. Darn it, we should have answered the phone. Darn it. Why did we do that? We had a live call on our recording of our podcast. Wow, that's amazing. That is totally awesome. Uh, but apparently I think my I think that was honestly my source calling me. So who cares? Um Anyways, he probably knew I was talking about him. He was like, Alex, don't tell the story. Well, tough crap. I'm going to tell the story. So honestly, I think if you can really dig into my history, you might be able to find it. So I had my source literally on my podcast live. I didn't say it was my source, but he came on the show anyways. And we talked and we talked about the Browns, you know, the draft, blah, blah, blah. And so... I jokingly when we were done he stayed an hour and for the fun of it I wrote down on a napkin Miles Garrett no matter what and I handed it to him I said you hand this to Sashi Brown if you can because I knew he didn't work closely with Sashi but I knew he might cross paths with him I said you hand this to Sashi I don't give a damn if it gets you in trouble. I'm here to save the Browns from a disaster. And he read it and he said, I don't think you're going to have to worry about this, Alex. This is three weeks before the NFL draft. Hugh, you are full of shit. It wasn't done a day before the draft. It was done long before that. So here's my take. And then I will have Jack the ability to take your take. I'm going to kind of work myself into a shoot here. Hugh Jackson is a sad, pathetic coach who sucked at Oakland, who was the worst coach ever for the Browns, who is doing everything in his power to stay relevant because no NFL team will touch this cancer anymore. Other than Marvin Lewis, his best friend. And guess what? Marvin Lewis doesn't have a job anymore. At least a head coaching job to hire him for. And it's not like Chad Johnson is ever going to be trusted to be a head coach of a team. So he's not going to get a job from Chad Johnson. So what does Hugh have to do to get back in the NFL's good graces? Well, guess what? He has no choice but to bash the Browns, bash Jimmy Haslam, bash Sashi Brown, because it's the only way people might believe him and it keeps him in the spotlight and it's sad and it's pathetic for a man who talks about how strong-willed he is and how he overcomes things but he can't overcome this so he dwells on it it is first and foremost thank you for revealing the truth on the AJ McCarron deal you and Jimmy Haslam made that deal and Sashi nixed it. Sashi and I forgot the other name. Chris but, Cooper. Chris Cooper nixed it, and probably I don't know. Did Chris Cooper get fired because of this, or is he still work there? No, he's still in the front office. Okay. Sashi took the bullet for Chris Cooper. Sashi took his, went down for Chris Cooper, probably saying it was all him. Because if it was Chris Cooper, he'd be gone. He'd be gone. It wouldn't even be just Sashi gone. It'd be Chris Cooper. Sashi died for our sins, folks. Sashi be praised, my children. Yes, the book of Sashi says the third year, Andrew Barry would rise up and bring us back to glory. Yes, I said it. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I went a little preacher on you, but you know that will happen on this show because- I am the speaker of the gospel at the church of Sashi. Sashi be praised. God damn it. Um, He is, we need to build him a statue for this alone. So he confirms that he and Haslam made the McCarran deal. I I can't even comprehend that. One that that should bar you from ever working in the NFL again, let alone even fan controlled football. You shouldn't be coaching that. If you ever had the shot, No one should touch you with a ten-foot pole ever again. You really think AJ McCarron was the freaking answer? Get the bleep out of football! Oh my god! And then to turn around and say, "Well, they've been lying to me." You know, it wasn't. They never told me it was a teardown. Did you even look at the roster before you got here? You were. You were in new york you were literally in new york with eli manning and odell beckham jr and all those guys and you turned it down for a team that had who at quarterback who who was our quarterback enjoy succeed i don't even remember rg3 the
0: ground shook during that workout
1: no he hold on he wasn't on the roster yet oh it was josh mccown Yeah, and Johnny. Johnny was on the roster when he took the job. You picked the Browns over the Giants with Eli and Odell Beckham, and you thought we were just going to win with Josh McCown and Johnny Manziel. You really thought that, Hugh? Again, why are you relevant? Your voice means nothing to me. Like, you are just this sad, pathetic loser who couldn't get it done. You had weapons in Cincinnati. Like if you didn't like either job, you could have stayed at Cincy and done great things. And I think the next year there were better jobs that he would have been first in line for. They would have loved to have hired him and he would have had everything he could have ever wanted. And he probably would have shit the bed on that too. And I really don't care, but so on, so forth. Anyways, Hugh Jackson, again, is bashing the Browns' ownership. Now, Jimmy Haslam at this time is a shitty owner. There's no doubt about it. But he gave you not one, not two, but a third freaking year. He told John Dorsey you were the head coach. John Dorsey should not have kept your ass. You were, you were one in whatever, one in 31 or whatever at that point. I, 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 to this day, I still don't know how John Dorsey keeps Hugh Jackson. I've never understood it and I never will understand it because it killed Dorsey as a GM in Cleveland, because as we've said, it forced him to hire Freddie Kitchens the next year, which screwed us in the long run. Now imagine if he had selected, who I believe he would have, Dave Tobe from the Chiefs, or Eric Bienemy from the now. Could you imagine Eric Bienemy day one with the Browns and Baker? The the Browns would be a totally different team. Oh, yeah. We probably would be in the Super Bowl right now. And Baker would be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. It's because Jimmy Haslam defended you, Hugh. And you did nothing with it. You didn't want Baker. You didn't want want any of these guys. And yet you want to sit here and complain about, oh, they were going to draft Mitchell Trubisky. No, they weren't. The only person who might have wanted to draft Mitchell Trubisky was Jimmy Haslam. Well, yeah, and you, Jack, and you and Ken Carmen. Oh yeah. Oh, Ken. Uh, I I wrote, you know, back in those days, I used to write songs that Ken would write for Mitch Trubisky. It like at Christmas time that year when he started talking about I was like, I I told my old co-host Pat, he'd be like, I want him to come on the show and say. Mitchie baby. <laughs> I'm like, I really wanted him to sing Mitchie Baby. To and be, I actually I really actually I don't have it anymore, but I wrote a song and I really wanted to call in and say, Hey, Ken, I wrote you a song for Mitch. Mitchie Baby.
0: <laughs> to be fair, I didn't want him at one. I wanted us to trade up to like six to get him. I didn't so, want him with number one. I was a Miles Garrett guy. I here. do
1: I think it. that was in play. I do still believe that was in play, but to insist that the front office of Andrew Barry, Paul D Podesta and Sashi Brown were that stupid after we've seen Andrew Barry do a fine job with his drafting ability. I don't buy that shit. So here's my message to Hugh Jackson. Number one, you have no book. It doesn't exist. No publisher in their right mind is going to touch your shitty ass book because it's a bunch of lies. It's a bunch of fabricated lies that you've made to save your ass in the NFL. And here's the thing. No one wants to read a book about a fucking loser. No one wants to read about a book about a guy who went 131. Hi, I'm Hugh Jackson, and this is my story of how I went 131, and I am a better man because of it. No one gives a crap about that. You know what they care about? Tom Brady and his seven goddamn rings. How many rings does he have? One, two, three, four, five, six. He's got seven rings, six, seven rings, baby. That's all they care about. If you don't win in the NFL, you don't matter. Especially when you went one in 31, no one gives a crap about you. If it wasn't for, what's his name? Uh, uh, the defensive tackle for Valley View, uh, Jamie Meter, you'd be O in thirty-two. you'd be 0 in 32. You would be 0 in 32 and you would still want to bash the ownership group. I don't get it anymore. I really don't. Hugh Jackson, please go the fuck away. Go in your corner or hide in Mike Silver's basement where you live secretly and just do a podcast with them. Just do podcasts with them because that's the only way you'll ever be able to make money again is doing a podcast with Mike Silver because people still like Mike Silver. In fact, I still like Mike Silver. I have nothing against Mike Silver. He's doing a solid for a friend. Something I would do as well. If I feel he's been wronged. he does. He's doing right by him. Good for you, Mike Silver. I'm not judging you. It's Hugh. I'm judging. Hugh has no case against the Browns. He is full of shit. And nobody in Cleveland should give him the time of day. I don't care if he gives you ratings. No one should listen to this man. Everything he says are lies. He is the Donald Trump of NFL head coaches. He lies and lies and lies. Yes, I went political. But you want to know what? At the same time, I'll do this for the Republicans that listen to his show. He's also the Hillary Clinton of head coaches. He lies and lies and lies. See, we played the middle. Okay. I didn't pick a side. Okay. He's both. He's just as bad as either. Okay? We didn't pick a side. <laughs> if you don't listen anymore, I, I apologize. I but I went both sides here, okay? I peased you both. I'm not, I'm not getting political with this bullshit hugh jackson will not make me go political i will not allow it never in a million years yet he's worked me into a goddamn shoot i don't care hugh jackson my message is simple you can go fuck yourself you can go away and never coach in the nfl again please go away take you want to take that manuscript that you're writing about your book okay I want you to lube it up real good, roll it up, stick that bitch sideways, and stick it straight up your candy ass. And I'm done. Jack, your thoughts on Hugh Jackson?
0: Oh God, what what, what day was this? Was this oh Monday. Monday? So I'm walking down the hall at work, and there's one guy that I, we talk sports constantly. He's buffing the floors, and he pulls his ear pot out, and he goes, "Guess who's on KR right now?" And I'm like who? And he goes, Hugh Jackson. I said, Oh God, here we go again. And then, so I go and I'm scrolling through Twitter and I'm reading the quotes. And the one thing that stuck out to me, and he says he has documentation and it's going to be in the book. The Browns gave him a contract extension midway through the 0 and 16 season. And that was like the most shocking thing to me. But at the same time, thinking back to that point in 2017, it wouldn't have surprised me because that would have been about the time of the McCarran trade. That would have been around the time when the Haslings probably started considering firing Sashi Brown. And Mary Kay's even gone. Mary Kay Cabot's gone on to report that it was likely it was only a one-year extension. Why even do that? Like, I have nothing bad to say about Hugh Jackson as a person. I think he's doing good things outside of football right now with his foundation. But this dude bagpedals so much about his tenure with the Browns, talking about how – they lied to him about how they were going to be rebuilding. If he, if you look at the team in 2015, I think they had the highest paid defense. I was trying to look it up, but I couldn't find it. I think they had one of the highest paid defenses in the league. It went 3-13. and 13. So if you came into this not realizing that it was going to be a rebuild, and that's why they brought D Podesta and Sashi Brown together because they okay. could do something like this, you were clueless. Hugh was clueless. There's no doubt about it. Now he backpedals talking about how he never had say on the quarterback position except somehow he had say on the drafting of baker mayfield which i don't believe for a second that dude he he conducted the rg3 workout said it was one of the greatest workouts ever said the ground allegedly shook during the report somehow he didn't have say on that Uh, he's saying he didn't have say on cody kessler and i feel bad for cody that he got blasted by Hugh saying oh well I went to USC don't you think I would have known about him there wasn't anything bad about Kessler coming out in 2016 it just was he was a mid-round prospect there is nothing bad about that he was no one expected Cody Kessler to be the guy
1: that whole thing on Cody Kessler like if he's really complaining about a third round pick on a quarterback then here's my message to Hugh Jackson Why didn't you fight more to get a quarterback earlier?
0: See, and and that's the other thing he says that
1: oh they why why didn't you fight to not trade down for two and say you could live with Carson Wentz? Why didn't you fight for that?
0: Yeah, he says that oh they wouldn't they wouldn't draft Carson Wentz they wouldn't draft Deshaun Watson. I just I don't buy it. Yeah, then quit. But he said he he said he couldn't quit, and he did bring. He could have. He he says that he's bringing this up just so other minority coaches don't fear face the same things he faced i I, we can get into a whole debate about the rooney rule and everything and i do think that's a flawed system but it is hugh it's not about you being an african-american head coach you were just not a good nfl head coach and it's regard if you were white black asian it doesn't matter hugh You threw people under the bus constantly. You were a crabby play caller. And I'm glad he admitted that the flea flicker in the end zone was a terrible play call. And he owns that, but he doesn't own anything else. He did in Cleveland. I don't know if this book's legit, but it's not it. He says it's all documented about his time in Cleveland. I might buy the book just to see the bull crap that he's going to put in there and see if there is legit documentation. Just, and it's not just
1: don't support it.
0: It's not just about the Browns though. And he even said that it's about his whole career, his upstart in coaching, but he said there is chapters about the Browns. So I don't know. I'm, I'm tired of talking about Hugh Jackson. People think I'm bitter about it. Yeah. Because he wasted some guys careers. And he's still bringing
1: up pain and misery when we're winning. Yeah. That's why I'm bitter about it.
0: And then he go the fuck away. And he won't admit that the teardown worked. That is the other thing he goes, well, it, it it didn't work because I, I'm not the coach. Well, there's your problem. You're just a bitter dude because you couldn't see their process out. You couldn't see exactly. their vision out.
1: And the one thing I'll say, and this is my personal thing with Hugh Jackson. Sure. The Rooney rule, all that stuff considered. Yeah. The Browns at this time were considered the most dysfunctional organization in football. They were going on a radical movement that everyone in the NFL said was never going to work. If you were that pissed that we weren't taking a quarterback, quit. You would have actually looked good. You would have been the one that everyone would have praised as the man who was smart enough to jump ship before it was too late. Even if you had never coached a game ever, to walk away from that and basically bury us then, okay, then you look good. You say, hey, I did that whole thing with Carson Wentz, watering the ball, putting ice cold water on it. He passed my test. It doesn't matter if he did or didn't. You could have lied your way through it and said, Carson Wentz passed my test. Then Carson Wentz balls out in Philly. Guess what? You're proven right. And guess what? Every team in the league lines up to come get you. Anyone needing an offensive coordinator lines up to get Hugh Jackson. Maybe, dare I say, a head coach. I don't think he gets head coach right away, but I think he gets a very valuable offensive coordinator position. I'm going to say, hypothetically speaking, uh, I'm and strong. he
0: interviewed for the Steelers offensive coordinator job a couple months ago. People yeah. Kind of,
1: yeah. I mean, actually it's... I know exactly who he could have gone to Washington with yeah. Kirk cousins. He could have gone to Washington. Now granted, would he have, I don't know what would have happened, but Kirk Cousins and him could have worked well together and he would have looked brilliant. And if Kirk Cousins had left via free agency, well, guess what? He would have been a prime candidate for a head coaching position. They would have said his offense still works. Kirk Cousins didn't lose a beat from McShay to Hugh. So Hugh's just as good as McShay and I'm sorry, not McShay uh, McVay. And he would be in the discussion Numerous head coaching candidacies, and I think that would be now 2018. So now he he looks like a genius for leaving Cleveland. He stood his ground. He did the ballsy thing. Everyone would judge the Browns. He wouldn't have looked bad. No one would have blamed him. And yet, what the fuck does he do? He stands by. And lets it happen, which shows me, and this is my opinion, only my opinion, Hugh Jackson has no balls. This is why his team sucked. He didn't stand up for what he believed in. The same reason y'all mess with Ray Farmer saying he didn't fight for his guys and he didn't. Hugh Jackson did the same thing he can't say those things and you can't say, well, yeah, I kind of understand if you're going to do it to Ray Farmer, you do the same freaking thing to Hugh Jackson. So Hugh Jackson, you have no balls. You have none of my respect. I hope you never get a job in football again. Not even on a peewee level. He's not kids, helping himself. Honestly. Kids, kids don't des- kids deserve better than to learn from you. That's how bad of a coach you are. 10 year olds don't deserve it, it, to even be coached by you. Like what I'm saying is like, they deserve better than you. You're the, you are the scum of coaching on this earth. And I hope you never get a job again. Cause you're just terrible at your freaking job.
0: Yeah. I mean, honestly, the way he's handling not- it, the way he's handling it is not good for trying to get back into the league. It's, I mean, Most coaches that get fired, they just go away quietly. They take a media gig like Eric Mangini, when he was done out of the league, he's been on the media. He's been good at it. Scott Pioli, like these guys that get fired, they go to something else, but they don't bury. Yeah. They don't bury anybody. Like they talk about it years and years later, like Lombardi, which, you know, that's a whole case in itself. He's Lombardi's
1: Belichick. So, you know,
0: yeah. I mean, he has Belichick in his back pocket, but I mean, Nobody goes out and does like shoot style interviews the way Hugh Jackson's done. It's like, we're watching a WWE wrestler after he got fired and does a shoot interview. It's like, you
1: don't do this. And then he goes on Matt Silver's uh, Mike Silver's podcast and does all this. And I haven't even listened to it. I don't intend on listening to it. I heard a minute and 40 seconds about the Browns in 2017. I don't plan to listen anymore. I don't want to listen to this man's words. You do some good in the community props to you. I will always respect you for that Hugh. Football and what you' are how you're dealing with this, I have no respect for you. you can get the fuck out. And yeah. I'm done, with I'm done and, with
0: the th- th- and the thing is as bad as I said he was a play- bad play caller here, he's a good offensive coordinator. like he should be an offensive coordinator in this league. but the way he's handling his situation in Cleveland, that's not boding well for if he's trying to get back in the league because the way he's handling his business now, no one's gonna trust him,
1: no nope. anymore. I wouldn't trust him. I would trust Todd Haley more than they would Hugh Jackson. So.
0: And look at Todd. Ever since he got fired, he's been quiet. He's done. I think he works for SiriusXM on like a part-time basis. Mm-hmm. But I've never heard him say one thing about his time in Cleveland. I think he's coaching high school football. He deserves to be in the league. Like he's a good offensive coordinator. Unless yeah. there's stuff in the back channels from his time in Pittsburgh, his time in Kansas City, or his time here that is preventing him from being in the league again i don't think there's many people from that 2018 brown staff that's in the league anymore i know zampezi is but zampezi was probably one of the good guys in that organization He
1: was was one of the good guys
0: and also i think he's the reason why baker turned it around that year but that we can have a whole podcast on that but i mean to to close it i mean hugh just go away just go away like alex said just just be quiet
1: and go away we're winning now we don't need you in our lives anymore anyways so the moment you've all been waiting for, ladies and gentlemen. You voted. You chose pain. Our first edition of Alternate Browns History. Now, uh, this is going to be a segment where I am going to basically break it all down. Uh, the way I see it, Jack, you're going to feel free to comment and uh, my advice to you, and I should have said this before the show, you might want to pull up drafts from 96 97 98. 98 99 uh 2000 2001 we'll go slowly so you can do it one page you don't have to have them all up pulling up pro football reference right now. yep so ladies and gentlemen in this world in fact let me take you on a journey in a world where art Model and the city of cleveland have come to an agreement on renovating the stadium, and even in discussions for a new Brown Stadium are in the preliminary stages. Art Modell threatens to move the team to Baltimore, basically saying, if you don't do this, I really will move the team. Because part of the problem was Cleveland didn't believe he was going to do it. But Art Modell stayed loyal to the city and said, look, I literally am going to do this here's the deal match it please just renovate the stadium buy me some time and build me a new stadium and the city of Cleveland agrees um I think there was I think in terms of the new like the Browns of today I know they're talking about something in the flats potentially for a new stadium that'd be a dome one if they were to ever do it so in this hypothetical scenario the Browns do move off that familiar site by the lake. That's where this location in the flats is where the new Browns dome stadium is. So they get a new stadium. So the Browns stay put. And in this world, Bill Belichick and Ozzie Newsome have to work together after a 7-9 and nine season in 1995 where they underwhelmed Mike Lombardi-Kaputski. He is not going to be making the decisions with Bill anymore. Art Modell kind of forces an arranged marriage on Ozzie Newsome and Bill Belichick because Art Modell has that really close relationship with Ozzie. He wants Ozzie to be the guy. He gets Bill to agree to do it because Bill did like Ozzie Newsome. So the two joined forces, and we head into the 1996 draft where originally the Browns do have, I believe it's the number five pick, where that's four, four. The Ravens own four, which is Jonathan Ogden. That's no longer the case here. The Browns now have won a couple more games because that whole factor of we're moving doesn't happen. So we factor in a couple more wins. Is the team really as good as everyone thinks? No, Andre Risen's a bust, and there are a couple of other problems with this team that need to be addressed. So the Browns have the number 12 pick, and there is pressure. Now, uh, please remind me. I don't have it in front of me. Who's the running back from Nebraska that has taken? Lawrence Phillips. Okay. Art Modell, at this point, wants Lawrence Phillips, who's falling. But... Bill Belichick does not like the uh, character problems. Ozzie Newsome does not like the character problems. This is the beginning of how they gelled together, how they work together. And they talk art out of it and say, we do need a running back and we're going to agree we're going to take a running back. But we're going to do something that's going to be popular with the fans and popular with us. So with the 12th pick in the 1996 draft, the Cleveland Browns select Eddie George, running back, Ohio State. They get a running back that they desperately need and they pass on the O-line. So, now all Cleveland's like, "Yeah, we got a buck guy. Woohoo! A Heisman trophy winner to be our running back of the future. He's going to be the next Jim Brown, Leroy Kelly. He might be." So we go to Cleveland 95, about number 26, where Eric Mangini makes a very eye-opening confession that this pick was already made before the team had moved. I don't have to change a darn thing because most of that staff stays. With the 26th pick in the 1996 NFL draft, the Cleveland Browns select Ray Lewis, linebacker, Miami. It's not even a, it's, I don't even need to debate this because it's literally there for us to know. So now we move to actually it's around in the forties area. Now in this reality, Baltimore traded a second round pick for a tight end. I believe, um, I looked it up. I believe they traded a second round pick for a tight end who didn't pan out. Bill Belichick stops that crap. This is Ozzie being Ozzie in his first year. Belichick doesn't like it. He says, look, I can address this later. Let's let's focus on building this team up. And a safety has fallen. And, you know, there are, there are two on the board. One of them we know very, very well here in Cleveland. And he is in discussion. But another is on the board that was a teammate of this man's that Bill Belichick loved and is the reason why he ended up with the Patriots. So with that pick, the Cleveland Browns select strong safety lawyer Malloy out of Washington. The Browns in their first three picks have taken Eddie George, Ray Lewis, and lawyer Malloy. Holy crap. This is looking like a great draft. And yet there's more. So the Browns, Again, they still have not addressed their offensive tackle, and there are some okay guys, and they take a flyer on the third round, this guy who plays out of Louisville. His name's Robin Oban. Browns fans know him, and he was always a solid left tackle in the NFL. The Browns don't trade the picks uh, like the Ravens do to move up, so they moved up in this scenario to get, more, to get a player. I didn't get it, who it was. But the Browns, you know, get Roman Oban to protect Vinny Testaverde's blindside. They still pick Jermaine Lewis later in the draft. So you still get one of the better kick returners in the league later. So in this reality, the Browns improved to eight and eight. They look like a solid team. Vinny Testaverde in real life has a good year. Uh, The Browns do not lose Keenan McCardell. They actually buy into him. Belichick likes him, but Eddie George arguably rookie of the year that year, one of the better running backs in the league. Ray Lewis looks great. Laura Malloy's starting to fit in towards the end of the year. There's some potential here. The Browns are heading back to the playoffs it looks like. 1997 draft has it has arrived and the Browns sit at around 11-12. And if we look back at the 1995 draft, Bill Belichick wanted Kyle Brady and he didn't get him. well in the 1997 draft there is a tight end available at this pick I think he's pretty good I think you may have heard of him and with the 11th pick in the 1997 NFL draft the Cleveland Browns select Tony Gonzalez tight end California what the bleep is going on folks Again, you're talking about team needs the Browns had at this time. They didn't trade for that tight end the year before. Now, Bill says, look, our patience has paid off. I got this great tight end, Tony Gonzalez, Keenan McCardell, Eddie George, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson. Let's freaking go. So now we go all the way down to 45 in the second round. And they need a linebacker. Uh, they, it, the Ravens, I believe, in this draft did take Peter Bowlware in real life in this draft. Um, I, I'm not sure if they, yeah, they did. Because they finished 4-12, and they took Boulware. So they're going to look linebacker heavy in this draft because that's what the Ravens did in this draft. They do take two linebackers. One of them is very notable in today's NFL. He's a head coach somewhere. Um, But at 45, the Cleveland Browns select a solid linebacker. You might know him from his, uh, from his days in the NFL, from Washington state, James Darling, solid player. Okay. But at 58 is when we get crazy because the Browns need a cornerback. Antonio Langham did kind of slide during these times. And there is a cornerback out of Virginia who Bill Belichick probably might like and might say, hey, uh, I could pair him with Lawyer Malloy. And the Browns take cornerback Rondé Barber out of Virginia. So, so far in this reality, and again, I'm going by what the Ravens kind of looked at and drafted, and also going by who may have left, who might not have left, what it's starting to look like. And I'm going to go into what it looks like going into 1998, and at 78 they take a linebacker from Ohio State who fits Belichick's system very well, Mike Vrabel. <laughs> Payne, you wanted me, you asked for this, you asked for this, you idiots. So, um, going into the 1998 season, Vinny Testaverde is your quarterback. You have Eddie George at running back to go with Keenan McCardell, Michael Jackson, Tony Gonzalez, Roman Oban, Darling Lewis, Vrabel, Malloy, and Barber. Whoo! The problem is in 1998, Finney Testaverde does not have a good year. In you real, just long. mean 97? You mean 97? 97. 97. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, you're good. He does not have a great year. The Browns decline, goes six and ten, and Bill is on the hot seat. But he says, Vinny was the problem. Let me figure this out. The Browns have number seven. They aren't getting Ryan Lee for Peyton Manning. Sorry. I think. But Belichick and Ozzie agree. Now, in this reality, the Ravens go and get Jim Harbaugh. That does not happen now. That does not happen. Bill Belichick does not want Jim Harbaugh. Bill Belichick is a smart man. Uh, instead, he says, you want to let's... We have a solid tackle in Roman open here. Let's fill the other side. And they take a fairly good tackle in this draft named Kyle Turley to fill that left side and put open on the right. And now they say, yeah, I don't, I didn't predict like the veteran because you'll see why I did not pick up a veteran in this scenario. When we get to the third round at 40, The Browns still have a little bit of a secondary problem. Rondé Barber takes a couple years to develop. And there's a guy sitting on the board who, funny enough, the Browns could be looking at in 2021. The Cleveland Browns select cornerback Patrick Sertain at 40. So again, right now you're talking about Rondé Barber and Patrick Sertain teaming up. This is a legitimate scenario. I literally did not go Homer on this. I'm going by what the needs could look like everything. And then at pick 70, and I would say bill might move up to go get them because they, they liked them. The Cleveland Browns select quarterback from the university of Michigan, Brian greasy. That is your quarterback going into the two thousands. And if we forget Brian Greasy was not bad in Denver. He did everything of any was doing for the Browns. And with his winning from Michigan, it's a perfect fit for what bill wants a winning attitude an accurate game managing quarterback who doesn't make mistakes. And in this scenario, the Browns improved to nine and seven greasy. Looks like a solid QB. O-line does great. Um, And the defense is starting to take shape as some of the best in football. And now it's about adding the final pieces. We move to 1999 where, oh boy, now we're really getting painful. You see the Browns at this point, uh, Steve Everett was actually traded in real life by this point to the Vikings. And I would assume the Browns would look to replace him because he is aging. They're sitting at 17 and there's a fairly well-known center now in the media uh, nowadays who was selected at this point by, oh wait, the Patriots. Damian Woody becomes the center of the future for your Cleveland Browns. Then we head to 45 where the Browns are kind of aging at the wide receiver position. They kind of need a speedster. And there is one available. It's not Kevin Johnson, but he's pretty good. He played with the Falcons for a while. And the Browns take, oh, he also played for the Bills. The Browns take peerless price to be their speed wide receiver opposite Keenan McCardell for Brian Greasy. Then we move on to 80. We haven't talked about filling in the needs on the defensive line. They always like to have a good defensive line in those Belichick defenses. Who's he go get? Cletus Hunt, defensive tackle. You know him from his Packer days of being a disruptor. There's a guy for you that the Browns would love to have. Other notable picks in this draft, I still think they get a Brandon Stokely. And I also think the Browns, again, on the late flyer and knowing Belichick's tendencies, tendencies, um in terms of what the uh, Browns might do. um, They would take Jerry Azuma. Jerry Azuma. You know him from his Bears days. He was good back then. So now we're looking at a scenario where the Browns have three really, really, really good corners and a really good safety. Not to mention Eric Turner. That too.
0: If, if if he, he doesn't get, go with if the, he doesn't I didn't get go sick.
1: I didn't go that far in depth because yeah. it's too unpredictable true I wanted the drafts to be what Ozzy and Bill would do right but in an alternate
0: universe he probably stays with Cleveland because when they moved to Baltimore he was one of the guys that didn't like it so exactly but he also died around this time too from stomach cancer so yes yeah rest in peace um, Turner.
1: so by the So the Browns now have a great O-line. Tony Gonzalez, Eddie George, Brian Greasy run the show. The plan comes to fruition. They go 12-4 and four and beat the Jaguars for the AFC Championship because that defense, that secondary would have shut down Mark Brunel. And they don't have Keenan McCardell, which as great as Jimmy Smith was, Keenan McCardell was the glue to that wide receiver core. Browns have them. Unfortunately they do lose to the greatest show on turf because that team was just a different animal. They had everything, the pass rush, the secondary, the receiving, the rushing ability, they had everything. Browns can't get them, but they went to a super bowl and the Browns fans want a little more. So in the 2000 draft, the Browns have the 30th pick. James Darling kind of exposed during this time. It's just being solid. Belichick will probably look to upgrade and takes, well, Keith Bullock who was pretty good in his time. And by looking at that board, he's probably the best pick bill would make unless if he were to trade down, which I'm not doing that. I'm not going that crazy. Um, at 61, he probably stocks up on wide receiver and takes Ron Dugans because at this point, McCardell's is probably a free agent. You are probably losing him at some point here. So yeah, you do lose him, but peerless price coming into his own. And I'm sure there would be another move of some sort, you know, in this alternate universe getting in our weapon. Plus you have Tony Gonzalez and a George shut up, uh, At 93, uh, you get a backup or potentially right tackle in John St. Clair, the tackle. You lose probably Roman Oban by now because you got picked between uh, Kyle Turley or Oban. Uh, You spent a higher pick on Turley, so you're going to lose Oban. And yes, folks, it still happens. Tom Brady is a Cleveland Brown. And here's why. If you listen to the, what was it? The, the documentary on the five quarterbacks, the, oh, the Brady six, the Brady six Belichick admits he had a third round grade on him. They were prepared to take him in round five, but they felt he was going to be there. Brian Greasy is still a solid quarterback, but you really don't have a backup potentially. So he probably thinks, okay, well, Michigan worked out well. The first time, why not have another Now, there is a story to this that's important for Browns fans to know when we're done with this next draft. In 2000, the Browns' defense is dominant. Browns have more than enough firepower. Browns cruise to the Super Bowl, and they defeat the Giants to win the Super Bowl. And now we go to the second to last draft we have here, 2001 draft browns sit at 31 in this reality todd heap is the pick but you have tony gonzalez now you could say that bill belichick goes 10 years ahead of his time and does it i say he doesn't he takes a talented wide receiver who has some headache potentials but the talent is too good and he doesn't really have a number one. He takes Chad Johnson. Yeah. I still think Todd heap would have been in consideration because two tight ends were starting to become a thing, but they weren't yet. And Belichick might've gotten ahead of the game, but I still think he might've taken, I think Ozzy could have talked him into Chad Johnson. I think this would be an Ozzy thing. Burgess, Derek Burgess is the pick at 62. He had a solid career. You need our edge rusher. We really haven't upgraded those. So you're probably relying on free agents coming in and being those guys. At 92, I looked at the picks no matter what to bust. The only other, go ahead, Jack. I see your hand raised, sir. I would have took Anthony Henry in this scenario.
0: Load up on the DBs. You could have, you actually had, could have. He had 10 picks that rookie year. He could he had have. a solid he, career.
1: He's a fourth round pick. I'm trying to stay relative within I, when they were drafted.
0: I get it. I get it. Well, it, pick, he was picked 97 though.
1: So it's uh-huh. right there in that range. I, I think, again, I'll just say this. You have Azuma, you have Sertan, and you have Barber, unless if one of them is going to free agency by now, which they could have, you might have taken Henry. You yeah. might But I'm still going to say it's a potential bust. That's fine. They still take Ed uh, Hartwell like they do in real life. So, okay, where does that leave us now? Because I stopped here and went on a 17-year gap to paint a story for you. The Browns have a Super Bowl champion. The Browns have a dominant core and two of the brightest minds in football. But here's the thing. I still believe Bill Belichick hires Dick Rabine to be the quarterbacks coach in Cleveland. Dick Rabine, if you don't know who he is, is probably the most influential figure in the career of Tom Brady. When he was first in new England at a quarterbacks meeting, Dick Rabine left his journal behind that, writes notes on the quarterbacks to this day, Brady doesn't know if it was intentional or not. And he said about Brady slow to react, slow to read everything he needs to do. He needs to do faster. And Brady said that was his wake up call. I do believe that scenario with Dick Rabine still plays out because they're looking for a legitimate quarterback greasy's fine but he's declining in 2001 like he does in real life and there isn't a moment where greasy's taken out and yes dick rabine still tragically passes away of a heart attack um again it's a tragic story but it shows how influential he is on tom brady's life um i highly recommend you guys looking him up um and I really hope whenever Tom Brady goes in the Hall of Fame, Dick Rabine's name is mentioned. Because if it's, if it's not, it's a travesty. Um, but a dynasty is born once Tom Brady takes the reins. Under Ozzie Newsome and Bill Belichick. It's a contentious relationship, but a respectful one. Because everyone talks about Bill and Brady. They don't talk about Ozzie. I can't tell you how many super bowls they win. I can't tell you, you know, how many MVPs Brady wins. Is he the same quarterback? I don't know. I think yes. In this scenario, he is Tom Bleep, and Brady and the Browns are the dominant team in the AFC for the next God knows how many years. And it's amazing. But here's the thing in the late 2000s, something happens. Ozzie's a little bit tired of being second fiddle. And he leaves the Browns to run a team that was born in 2002. I know what you're thinking. He goes to the Texans. I didn't say the Texans were the only team that arrived in 2002. In fact, in this world, two teams are brought into the league in 2002. The Houston Texans and the Baltimore Ravens, because Art Modell admits during this time frame that he almost moved a team to Baltimore, that it was pretty much a done deal, but Cleveland saved their team, and the NFL sees this as they can legitimately hold an NFL team. They are granted a team in 2002 with Houston, and in this time frame, Ozzie goes to Baltimore because we're in the same division and he wants to take down Belichick and Brady. He doesn't, they become the main rival they do. And they have great games. Um In fact, in 2012, he ends up getting the number one pick and getting Andrew luck to be a Baltimore Raven. And As time goes on in 2018, Andrew Luck is not in play anymore. But they have a late pick. They have a late pick. And in this draft, the Browns make a similar trade that the Patriots made. That was the Isaiah Wynn trade. But they make this trade... To make sure Ozzie doesn't get the quarterback he really wants. So to end this in the 2018 NFL draft, the Browns trade up to 23 and the Cleveland Browns select quarterback Lamar Jackson Louisville to be the successor to Tom Brady. That is what would have happened if the Browns hadn't moved in 1995, Lamar Jackson would be your quarterback. Bill Belichick would be your head coach with Josh McDaniels. Tom Brady would probably be in Tampa Bay winning a Super Bowl. But who cares? We we would have had like five at this point. You know, Steeler fans would be like, oh, no ring." They wouldn't be doing that. They'd be like, "Well, we got one more ring." And it'd be like, "Yeah, well, we got Lamar Jackson, Ben Roethlisberger's, you know, in the retirement home right now." So. Yeah, we're going to get to six and then seven and then eight. It's going to be 10 rings by the time this is over. So, yeah, you chose paying, guys. This is what would happen. I'm just saying, is it 100% guaranteed this happens? No. But I'm just saying, guys, I can legitimately make a case that this would have been the scenario. I know Ozzy would have left. I know Ozzy would have tried to screw bill every chance he got to prove it to him that he was the one who built the team not bill and it would have been it would have been amazing so jack are there any complaints you have with this no not at all i mean
0: very detailed very thought out i mean you i mean obviously i'm sure you went and studied how ozzy operated how belichick operated and all the picks make sense for how those guys operated. I mean, even if you watch Cleveland 95, which if you're a Browns fan and haven't watched you have it,
1: to. it's painful, but you have to watch it.
0: I, Ozzie and Phil Savage and man, and everybody that went to Baltimore when the team moved, they said we tweaked a few things, but it was pretty much how Belichick operated. So I feel like, like you said, they would have been contentious because Ozzie would have felt like he wasn't getting the credit. Belichick would have been the man that took all the credit for the success. But if those two would have stuck together and the Browns wouldn't have moved. I mean, even Mary Kay says it in that the Browns would have won Super Bowls. and and Ozzie said it too. He goes, we were too talented, too determined. I mean, people were mad at them at the time because of some of the moves they made, but you could see it in 94 and the beginning of 95 before the move, the dynasty was being built. The machine was going to be in Cleveland. Yep. And if it hadn't been for Art Modell and his poor business decisions, the Browns could have five or six Super Bowls over these last 25 years. And I mean, everything you detailed out, Alex, was great stuff. I mean, it, it was great. And now you're going to make Browns fans mad, but it's a great what if in an alternate universe scenario that. People don't talk about enough. And, that, and that's a thing that-
1: I didn't want to do this See, guys. I've been sitting on this one for five years. I, I mean, I've been working on this one for years. I almost wrote about it once. And same thing with the 99 trade down. I have had that one sitting for, oh boy, forever. Uh, that was the first one I did. Uh, we, so yeah, I mean, this one, it was just painful to really finally sit down, break it all down one more time make sure I had it right. And I'm pretty sure I do. Um, If Ozzie or Bill wants to come on and say, yes, you're right. You know, feel free to just stop off for two seconds and Bill go like, yeah, you're right. This is absolutely what would have happened. Yep. Lamar Jackson would be amazing in my offense with uh, Josh McDaniels. And uh you know, I would have the hoodie on every game. Yep. Yep. So there you go. Browns fans, you chose pain. I hope you're happy. So, with that said, uh, that's going to wrap up uh, this week's episode. I'm not going to do hot take of the week. Uh, I think we kind of did that with Hugh. Uh, Hugh Jackson's our hot take of the week. Congratulations, you've earned it yourself. You've... Oh, oh. You go. I, I, you want to? You want to what? Uh, I think we should just uh, end every show with uh, Hugh Jackson. Please go away. Yeah. No, no, we got to be positive. We got to be positive. We got to be positive. I don't know what we'll, we're still thinking about it, you know, but, uh, next week, uh, we'll be talking about, uh, more draft stuff. Probably the corners, uh, haven't really decided if it's corners or wideouts, but next week, I think Jack, uh, you think we might want to break down Mach 3.0? Oh, absolutely. I mean, rumor is there's going to be a seven round Browns mock draft. I don't know. I don't know guys. Uh, I, I mean, could be out there. I don't know. Um, Yeah. So uh, thank you guys once again for listening, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review on iTunes for everyone to see and tell us how awesome we are. If you don't like the show, first off, we apologize. Uh, we'll, we'll try to be better. Uh, we're, we're, not expecting to be awesome day one. We're working on it. Give us a chance, man. Give us a chance.
0: You know, you gave Pat Shermer a chance. Gave us a chance.
1: Yes. You, if you give Pat Shermer a chance, give me a chance. Give us a chance.
0: Hey, we got three, we got five-star reviews so far on
1: Apple podcast. Hey! Thank you for everybody that's done it so far. We really yeah, appreciate Thank it. you so much. You guys, you guys are awesome. But until next time we. Are out. Go Browns. Go Browns.